good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. In fact, whenever or wherever you're listening to this episode of the NI Golf Channel podcast, episode who knows what, we're back after a wee <laughs> mid-season break, me and Emma. Now, traditionally, we look back at the golfing news and look ahead to tournaments coming up, but for this episode, we're going to do a bit different. We're going to focus on a theme um, we do have an interview with Paul McGinley coming up, so please listen to that. He's up at the Irish Legends event at Ross Penna. But in this episode, we're going to focus on what makes a golf tournament in an enjoyable experience for the spectators. But a wee bit about yes, that we do. later on. Mm, exactly. Um, firstly, however, we will have a wee bit of a roundup of some news you may not have picked up. Uh, first of all, Lurgan's Annabelle Wilson and Castle Warden's Lauren Walsh have both been selected to compete for Great Britain and Ireland at the Curtis Cup later this month in Wales. Biennial match between the best women's amateur golfers from Great Britain, Ireland and the USA was scheduled to take place last year at Conway GC in Wales, but was postponed because of the COVID-19 pandemic, like so many other things, but it's happening. So that is great news and great that the girls are full places in the team. And I think Julie is... Uh, a standby as yes. well so that's Peter great Carthay. very good um and men's golf peter o'keefe uh, won the aig irish men's under close championship uh, the douglas golfer beat castles robert morn in the three-hole playoff after the pair finished four shots clear of the field on minus nine at tullamore golf club um another team news too it's that time of the year but a team golf floating about uh gal gorms joshua hill has been selected for GBNI's Jacques Leguise trophy team to play continental Europe in Sweden later this month. Very good. Enjoying enjoying the pronunciation there as well. Very Thanks. nice. Thanks very much. Uh, Crackers going castles. <laughs> you don't give your tips away. This is natural. <laughs> Kyrgyzstan Castle's Beth Coulter was beaten by Scotland's Hannah Darling in the final of the RNA Girls Amateur Championship at Fulford. Uh, Carol Wickham came from five shots back to win the 2021 Irish Women, excuse me, Irish Senior Women's Amateur Open at NAS GC. The late on in Betty Stone golfer adds the Open to the close championship she won already in Westport earlier this year. Yeah, Beth obviously was on the podcast a few weeks ago talking about yep. all things Camogie and Ballygalgate and going to Arizona. Yeah. If you haven't heard her, she's great crack. You can find it on our uh, SoundCloud page. Uh, and in pro golf land, it's the last major of the year. Uh, the AIG Women's Open at Carnoustie with German Sophia Popoff, the defending champion. Yeah. The Olympics for the Irish team. What, what did you think of it? Um. I thought it was good. You know, I, I watched, it's one of the things in the Olympics, actually, I watched more of live than anything else, just the way the timings worked out. I was, don't know about you, but I was watching a lot of stuff on the catch up things and the highlights, but um, the golf, I suppose, because it's a good thing that it goes on for such a long time, I managed to see quite a bit of it and it, it was great. I mean, the the men's in particular, um, just the the way it ended with the like million man playoff and everything yeah. else it was yeah. it was really it was really exciting yeah. um because it was it was one of those things where it was the shame I suppose we're used to golf having already we're lucky having crowds back again like we're going to talk about almost in a minute and it just seemed a bit of a shame in some ways that there were all those nice big olympic stands and there wasn't really yeah. anybody sitting in them but but it was it was so exciting and then you know corda is just on one isn't she so but but the build-up to it and everything i really enjoyed as well with you know the stephanie and leona and and rory and shane you know all out in their t 
team gear and everything it was it was great I, I really I've really really enjoyed it and uh, you know Rory Horton is leave as usual about I wasn't sure before I went which you know people give him stick don't they but he's he's not making it up he's not pretending that he's no. delighted yeah. and excited when he's not and he's a complete convert and all the fact you know I think that says an awful lot as well about it doesn't it I think the fact that he said afterwards I've never tried as hard to finish third in my life is an interesting mm -hmm. quote and then Stephanie whose mm -hmm. form hadn't been great going into the tournament really put it together and, and was at one stage in, in good position to get a third a bronze as well so it, it was a pretty mm -hmm. good tournament for for the irish in terms of you know getting on the podium um i'm still still not sure about golf in the olympics i suppose i was converted the last time but golf without fans and i don't know still missing all the best players who knows i'm, I'm still still a wee bit up near about it but as long as the players continue to support it, I suppose it'll happen. I'd love to see a different format. I'd love to see team golf. I'd love to see yeah. mixed events. You know, there's so much more that they could do to sell the game. Yeah, there's a there is a lot more potential, isn't there? And that's what the Olympics is such a big, you know, platform for all the other sports that that don't get necessarily as as much um as many eyes on them the rest of the year isn't it and i think yeah exactly that like with that i think the the playoff in the golf in the men's golf almost showed you didn't it the excitement that the element of match play or some some other way of it could have or or yeah i mean yeah and people you know toying with what the pairings would have looked like if yeah. you'd had you know the top the top from each team you know what what would a leona and rory pairing have been like in a shame I mean, it would have been great, yeah. wouldn't it? Or even even if we don't mix it up, even having you know Leona and Stephanie playing exactly. together, so that whatever format you have, so yeah, because I just yeah, it feels like a bit of a missed opportunity, doesn't it? If you're going yes. to have it, then let's have the format that that makes yeah. it different and makes it special for going for. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, definitely. And, and uh, you know, let's try it all. Let's try a scramble. <laughs> mm. Can you imagine the Olympic scramble like that? That would be uh, 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 that would be some crack. The Olympic scramble, yeah, that'd be some idea, wouldn't it? Got a ring to it. Be brilliant. All right. Oh, thank you. oh dear, but yeah, you you know we were just saying about the spectators not not being there at the Olympics, but we're coming round to our our topic of discussion majorly for for the evening what exactly does make a tournament a decent experience for a spectator and uh, more of anything pk why is it suddenly of interest to you why are we suddenly talking about this okay so quick quick recap um the isps handed world invitational at galgorm and mazarin um brilliant tournament three great winners um, and for the first time in a long time, I was there as almost as a spectator because um, I wasn't in the bubble, so I wasn't using the tournament media facilities. And I went down on the Sunday afternoon for a couple of hours and, you know, I had a great time. I had an absolutely brilliant time because, you know, you and me, we spent most of our time over the last 15, 20 <laughs> years. And you go to a golf event, you're sort of in, in a wee sort of bubble anyway. It's not a COVID bubble, it's a media mm -hmm. bubble. You're you've got media access, you you know, you can you can actually see golf. Like I, I I'm gonna be honest, there's many as a tournament I've been to and I've never gone out to watch golf at all. 
because you, 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 yeah, you're, exactly. you're, you're constantly writing and working and in the modern world you're doing tweets and you're doing posts and you're, you're doing live blog updates and all sorts of things so you, effectively you're sitting in a media room watching the tv now you get a, the theme is different and you get more of it but um yes. and then you get access to players afterwards and you get looked after and fed and watered and that thing but <laughs> For for two hours, or it actually was two hours, I was out actually watching golf. And I was mm-hmm. starting with people around the next green there, and I was having a bit of crack with them. I knew some of them, and we're having a bit of crack. We went for a coffee, and uh, it was great. I was I was hobbling around. You didn't have to walk too far. That's the other thing that was so good about the event. You know, you can take a wee buggy with you and stuff like that. There was a number of people I saw at the event in their mobility scooters, which is what the event's all about. Um mm-hmm. And then even better, I come out of it and I went into the, the Tenton Village. Now, normally I'm not a drinker, I don't drink. But normally what happens is you go through the Tenton Village and you go home. But in this particular occasion, um, Olivia Mahaffey had finished early in the day and she was out of the bubble. So she was there with her friends and families and sponsors. Tom McKibben was there um, and Derry McElroy was there, who actually won recently on the Euro Pro Tour. And there was just a great atmosphere of people sitting around talking. It was convivial. There was no well, yep. boorishness. And the sun was out mm-hmm. and it just felt great. So I suddenly thought to myself, is it like this all the time when you watch golf events? Or was it just that that the ISPS Honda just hit that, that sweet spot on the day where, you know, I was trying to go home and end up staying for two extra hours because it was gotching. <laughs> So, yeah, well, I, it's probably a bit of both, to be honest. I mean, you did you did finish off on your on your your wee description there, which was a beautiful scene set, and you know you can just you can just imagine it. And you can see why you'd kick back and you'd stay that that long. You did mention that the sun was out, and I do have to say, as a as a spectator for for that kind of setting and maybe chill out afterwards, the sun, I would say, or just lack of rain does does make yeah. a bit of difference which obviously you've no control over but I would say I've I've been out at a couple of Irish Opens uh, one of which um the one that Kelson won in um at Royal County Down and the weather was if if it's not raining it's going to take your coat off take your coat on put your you know put your willies on take your hat off yeah I mean it was insane and I would say that it, it didn't it didn't affect it at all now maybe we're getting into a wider thing here of maybe we don't have that many big events in Ireland that the Irish spectators or the crowds at events in Ireland are particularly keen and you know the the players would always say they're very well educated and they're you know so great to play in front of but I think there is that maybe it's just you know we'll take some some credit here that we just love love what we're saying and also we are generally quite friendly to each other so you're more likely to get that kind of um, you know in all honesty, I, I think maybe maybe you are because you know you're all there for the golf and the crack, and uh-huh. everyone knows what's going on. And if they don't, then nobody's going to make fun of you. You just want to bring people into it and mm-hmm. and bring people into the party. Rather, now I have also seen a large amount of the female population chasing Mr. Dornan around a pro-am as well, which was a slightly different atmosphere, I have to say. And I was taking photos from a distance. It was hilarious. But even then, you know, there's there's girls there that are at the golf course. It wouldn't have been otherwise. Yeah. So we can't yeah. be too um, judgmental of yeah. them. So <laughs> if we take it then, that the first thing you need 
And maybe this is just in Ireland. The first thing you need is good weather, right? So you need good weather. And I think that's the same for any tournament in Ireland. And I know, having previously spoken to Simon Alice, who, who, who helps mm. the European Tour over the Irish Open, you know, he has said before that good weather sells it. That's it. Show over. And once the weather's good, the Irish Open's good, right? So, um, mm. but alongside that, I tell you what I also noted. There was a crowd at it, but it wasn't massive. So there was no problem seeing, and you had room to see, mm-hmm. and you felt comfortable being able to do it. But there was still enough of a yeah. crowd that it gave an atmosphere. And I wonder sometimes, do we get it wrong that we try and pack people into events? Like, I remember being mm-hmm. at the Open Championship, and although I was in within... um. The, the, the media world of the Open Championship I had to go out occasionally and, and there was people tramping over one another at the, Irish, at the Open Championship and I thought to myself mm. afterwards would you really have enjoyed that experience maybe you do because it's such a big thing so is there a sweet spot then of the fans to player ratio mm, I think that, that that's a very good point because I think I think saying about the Open you know if it's maybe maybe Saturday, Sunday, sorry, excitement, you wouldn't mind being trampled on so much because you're caught up. But if it's a if it's a Thursday, you know, Thursday lunchtime and maybe there's more people arriving than there has been and you've quite been enjoying maybe it being a bit empty or whatever, it can get a bit too much. And also for, you know, it depends, they were saying about getting a view. I think there that depends very much on the, on the venue, doesn't it? Because the great thing about a lot of links courses is because they're so hilly, you know, people can just line you know line with the contours of the course and and see all the way exactly along the dunes and you can see most of a hole wherever you are whereas if you're you know having been out yes working but also on a Sunday you know out on quite a lot of big American courses um in you know Parkland courses where you don't have that you can you know there's people crammed around the tea and there's people crammed around the green and if it's not a hole that's got stands you can kind of see but not not massively well so you're you you know you're just there. it's a very very different experience you're almost not there as a spectator you're there for the atmosphere and to see the the people you want to see if you're going to stick stick in a hole to see the people come through then you'll see all the big names or people swings or whoever you want to see but otherwise you're not really you're not really saying it no you're not saying it and particularly you i would say the average american is probably twice my height so i'm saying nothing you know it's the same with writer cups it's the same with writer cups yeah yeah absolutely what can you Mm -hmm. say at a writer cup um so the other thing then is apart from the fans so let's just say that on that particular day gal gorm got the fans to to ground ratio right for whatever reason covid whatever luck we got on the day the other thing was the interaction between the, the competitors and the fans. And there was just mm-hmm. enough people in places that there was an atmosphere to give it a bit of a buzz. But there was enough, there was enough sort of individuals that the players could sort of interact with people as they were going along. So like I was starting there at the ninth and there was a couple of times people went long and they were in with the crowd and they were chipping back and the crowd was starting right beside them. There was no problems. There was, you know, people moving 19 people out of the road and all that sort of thing and you know maybe having a bit of interaction with the with the fans who were there and by the way the lpga and the let people who attended that were by far better at that than the men and made the tournament mm-hmm. they made that tournament the, the lpga 
and the LEP players, the engagement that they did before, during, and after that event is what makes that tournament. Um, it was unbelievable what they did in that tournament. Um, to the fact that I was sitting talking to a guy from Clandy Boy Golf Club who was only there because Emma Talley, who was leading at one stage, had been playing with some of the, the, the Clandy Boy players. So uh, Clandy Boy members in the Pro-Am. Yeah, and they were mm-hmm. basically Clandy Boy had adopted her. So they were all there having, the, having the crack. But um, that was part of her. That was her own uh, engagement. So I think the engagement level was very good. And, you know, do you get... Do, what I'm effectively saying is, was this the ISPS hand of vibe? Or is this uh, a, a normal tournament vibe? You've seen more than I have around the world. I think it's, I think it's probably unique to be honest I think it probably is because they've brought so many aspects of it and there are the three tournaments you know the, th- the three in one as it were so you're not you're getting the benefits of all the good points I would say of of each each one of those particularly you know the if you go to um other than the women's open if you go to an let event or whatever it's there'd probably be a lot fewer people there even when allowed than than there would have been um at the at the ISPS handler but Equally, if you go, you know, you're saying about the interaction and the time spent with players and that that's very much I think that you see that in, you know, at the top top level of women's football as well. It's yes. just different. It's just the way that the game's developed. And I suppose in a way it's a bit you could say it's sad because it is because they don't always have as many people around them, whatever the reason is. It's it's part of their game to interact with fans differently. Right. Like that's it's just right. part of the tour and so that's a, that's definitely a benefit of having the two on site at, at the one time. And I, I'd be interested to see some of the other more mixed events. You know, like the the one that happened in Sweden that Spenson and um, Sorensen were um, supporting and things, and just see if that is if it's that aspect of it. Um, but again, their personalities would probably bring another aspect to it, the same as mm. you know the modest golf setup and everything else is brought to this one. Um, and but then you're getting the the impact and the you know the what's the proper word? Not the platform essentially the oomph that comes with the men's tour because mm-hmm. it really you know it does it's a it's a very different beast financially and everything else so it's it's a it's an interesting one to, to to know I think it is just I think the way they've tied those things together is it is unique at the moment to, to bring in the disability event as well as well as the men's and the women's because it is like we were saying a few weeks ago before it happened it's in every sense inclusive it's not just a gender thing it's not just the ability thing and that's I don't see how you can really not have a good atmosphere and in, in that yeah. kind of yeah. you know what I mean in that in that situation because everybody is catered for properly and you know you're saying that people are able to get around the course properly as well with mobility scooters and things like that and it's it's like this is a sort you know everyone's always going well congratulations this is guys this is a great experiment and blah 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 because it is but it's like well why why is it not going to be an experiment when they do this why can't you know hopefully people sponsors and things will be looking at it and thinking you know what it's just a damn good idea it doesn't it's not yeah, you're right. it's not rocket you're right. science it, taking yeah. a lot and it takes a lot of logistics to get the scheduling for everybody all together and 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 obviously to put you know that many tournaments on and make the course okay all those aspects I'm not not belittling how much of a beast it is to put it on but you know just as a as a thought process then you know let's crack it on let's let's just do some more of them shall we because because yeah. you know you're 
you're you know a fine example of someone who's not even needing to be converted to no. gold in the slightest and you're coming away pleasantly surprised yeah. from it. so you yeah. would hope that there'd be many 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 more people would be as well how much do you, how much should a ticket be what do you think's a good price for a ticket for a day at say a sunday at an isbs and event what do you think just now and it's, this was totally random because like we all have different value points of what we believe something should be but i just wanted to test you and see what you think i, I honestly i don't know because i'm trying to think of what i have because i have I have paid to go to golf before, not not just to flash my media pass and go, you know, particularly when actually the, the women's open we went um when I was on maternity leave and I, we all bought tickets for that. I mean the kids were free, which is obviously great and very much a very important thing. I think I think having the um like I said, usually under sixteens or whatever for free, I think is is really, uh-huh. really important. And that way if you are going as a family in particular, I don't think you can really balk if it's I don't know. I I would say for for a Sunday, I think maybe up to fifty quid. I wouldn't. Okay. I wouldn't be yeah. upset yeah. with for going for because because that's the thing as well. You go for the day, don't you? And yeah, I need to stop talking about people on the golf podcast. But you know, you're going for your ninety minutes and yeah. half time, and you peg. There's no so much to go to see a top club. So I think golf is always good value if you remember that aspect of it. But. Yeah. I don't know, maybe more more than fifty quid if you're not going by yourself, or you know, even if there's just a couple of you going, always feels like oh, we've spent quite quite a lot. Maybe yeah. well, that was that your fifty quid just interest was significantly more than what the final day tickets yeah. were at Galgorm, so it just shows you. Um, I thought um, I thought they probably would be because yeah. I really I would have no, I had no idea what they were pitching them up, but I, I think there's some somewhere in a region of between twenty and thirty pounds. I think so. So in actual fact, yeah. you know, I'd have thought you got great value for money on that final day, um, and and if you walked away sort of disappointed with what you saw and what you got out of that day, I think probably there was a certain reflection on what you were looking for in the first place. So uh, it was an yeah. interesting one, an interesting one from just from my point of view to to think about golf from a different point of view, from the spectator's point of view. And um, and I know that tournament organisers are always think or should always think about the spectator. I don't know if they mm. do now with TV, but um, certainly it was uh, it was an eye opener for me and one that I thoroughly enjoyed. And so much so that I would definitely go back to watch as a spectator. Nearly yeah. rather well, than cover than cover it as a journalist. Mm. You know, that's why I was thinking. You know, I think I think I well, particularly they'll, they'll hopefully not be raising the prices now I've said that. But um but yeah, I you know, I, I was really hoping to, to be able to to get um to get over to to watch it and you know that was fully with every intention of of paying to go yeah. without any strings or anything else and yeah. I think it, it just looked even on TV I think you can you get you get an, a little a little pang of jealousy don't you when you see it all playing out so nicely on TV and even when you're working on it and you think God wouldn't it be nice if I could just sneak out for ten minutes just to be in the middle of that crowd at 18 just to you know when they're cheering yeah. them when they're coming coming up to the last green or whatever it is and and it just it did it looked great it really did actually talking about tournament golf emma the 
Legends Tour is up at Rossapenna playing this week. Um, Paul McGinley tournament up there. Um, unfortunately, spectators are not allowed under current regulations. So the players are going to be away from fans. However, Paul McGinley's hoping for a big event and he's been speaking to a friend of the pod, Dennis Kerwin, to tell us what he thinks of it. Rossapenna has a golf course. I was just looking down through the people who have had an influence on the design of this course and it's like the who's who of the great golf course designers. Obviously, old Tom Morris, the, the founding father of the game. You have the likes of Harry Varden. You have... Uh, James Braid, the last man to win back-to-back -back Opens from Ireland or Britain before Padraig Harrington back in 1906. You've got, uh, obviously, our, our own great Pat Ruddy. So, so many people, including Harry Colt, have had a stamp on this great course. That's right. I mean, it's incredible when you look in, you know, I'm interested in, in golf course design and, and the history of it. And particularly those old guys you're talking about, you know, uh, they left a great heritage, a great legacy behind them. Um, and we've got a great heritage in Ireland of, of golf courses with, as you say, they've all been influenced one way or another by some of the great designers, particularly our older golf courses. And uh, Rossa Penna is one of those. Uh, there's a huge link with Donegal to a lot of those guys. I mean, Harry Colt here, he designed Sunningdale uh, in England, you know, regarded as one of the best golf courses in the world. And yeah, Royal Dublin, Royal Port Rush. I mean, there's so many courses he had a hand in. And the fact that he made his way back in those days, all the way up to Donegal, along with old Tom Morris as well, too. It's quite incredible. Something we should be uh, singing from the rooftops about in Ireland. And that's what we're trying to do. And that's what certainly the idea of bringing uh, this Legends event, this Legends Tour event uh, to Donegal is to highlight uh, what Donegal has to offer. Often Donegal is, is a forgotten place uh, when it comes to tourism in Ireland. It's an absolute hidden gem, as we all know. For me, it's the most beautiful county in Ireland. Um, obviously, I've got a huge connection there emotionally, but also we've got an incredible golf course there. They just built the golf course next door uh, in Rossapenna as well by the great American architect, modern architect, Tom Doak, which is uh, highly worth visiting anybody up there. The hotel is fabulous. Uh, Gil Hans, you know, who's regarded as maybe the you know, the best uh, designer in the world at the moment um, who, who did the Olympic course down in Rio and hundreds of other courses around the world, along with Ben Cr Crenshaw and Tom Fazio, regarded probably in the world as the top three modern architects. Uh, he's just uh, redesigned uh, Port Nou, uh, just up further up the coast. So there's a lot to offer there in, in Donegal, and it's, a, it's a, a great place. It really is. It's spectacularly beautiful um, and some great golf courses in the middle of it that are getting better and better. And of course, it, it provided a decent test, the old Tom Morris course for the pros, Paul, about 7,200 yards off the tips. And uh, obviously, you'll you know, be hoping maybe the wind blows a little bit. That'll provide a sterner test. But even if it doesn't, I'm sure you can tuck pins, etc. over the course of the few days. Oh, let's just take it easy on us, Dennis. Now, we're not the young books <laughs> firing up pins from, with four irons, you know. So, uh, it, listen, it'll be, it'll be a great test. Uh, the back nine, which is the, anybody who's been up there, the valley holes, as they call them locally there, um, are, are something really, really special. They're, they're the oldest part of the golf course. Pat Ruddy did the, did the front nine uh, that were playing in, in the dunes, uh, and the back nine was the old original uh, golf course. And, and I think it's going to make a, a great grandstand finish to the tournament, uh, playing those holes in particular. Um, uh, they really are absolutely fantastic and special. The, the forecast, as you say, the long range, I've been watching it now for the last week or so, uh, it, it is fair. Uh, particularly Friday, Saturday, Sunday next week, we got no rain and we got 10, 15 mile an hour winds. So, uh, and, and temperatures up into 18 degrees. So we're looking at pretty decent weather forecast. And uh, that's a great thing. You always have your eye on the weather when you're going to Donegal. 
tropical, Paul, tropical for Donegal. Yeah. But um, just going back to 2019, you mentioned Le Hinch. I mean, you, your stamp was all over Le Hinch there. And in fairness, I have to say that was one of the most enjoyable golfing events I've ever attended. And again, you got some fairly decent weather and there was a great old buzz. Um, you know, a lot of energy goes into putting on these events. And I know it's different at the moment in these COVID times, but you'll, you know, you'll be able to establish a blueprint there uh, to, to build this as, a, as an event for the future. Yeah, well, that's the idea. Uh, when I took over the, that Irish Open uh, for La Hinch, um, you know, a good year in advance, um, my, my thought process was, okay, let's go back in to see what's worked in the past. Let's have, I had some ideas myself and I wanted to investigate it. So I thought back to the great Port Marnock and Royal Dublin ones, certainly Irish Opens back when I was a boy in, in the 80s growing up in Dublin and going to those and, and, and what made them so special? What made them so great? Um, and then I, you know, I looked at the, the ones that, the more recent ones that we've had and what made, What's the DNA of what an Irish Open should be? And I think it's linked to the character and people that we are in Ireland. Um, so uh, we like a bit of crack. We like a bit of banter. We like the fact that we can have a few drinks. We like a bit of music. Uh, and uh, obviously we love our sport. So what I tried to do in La Hinch was create a festival and then insert the golf into the middle of it. And then I thought, okay, well, looking at all the venues around Ireland, where, where is everybody's favourite place to go and visit? And obviously, Le Hinch was very much at the top of that list and such a fabulous golf course, a place that I got a great history with and great, great members and people running it down there that I, that I knew. Um, and, and that's how that evolved. So as I say, it was a festival atmosphere with golf in the centre. Uh, and that's what I was trying to do when I took over this uh, event uh, pre-COVID. Uh, that's what I was going to do in Donegal. We were going to have the same thing. It was in the town of Downings um, uh, and we were going to have the, the banter. We were going to have the music and the festival and all the stuff that we had down in La Hinch. But obviously COVID has curtailed that to a large extent. We've, we had to cancel the tournament last year uh, during COVID and, and we're getting it ahead this year, but as I say, under incredibly strict restrictions. So I won't be able to do what we really want to do. So fingers crossed, uh, we are coming back next year and we'll be able to do that. But, you know, right beside the hotel there too i wanted to put on a ga match in the middle of it and show showcase the gaa to uh all of these uh these international golfers coming in and, and have the crack with that as well as a bit of music and festival and people wandering around so hopefully this time next year we're going to be in a better place and we can uh, kind of put those ideas in place Absolutely. And, and of course, this time of the year, Paul, as a, as a former Ryder Cup captain, I mean, the Ryder Cup is just around the corner and I'm sure you can cast your mind back to the lead up to Glen Eagles in, in 2014. I mean, it's the final stretch and, you know, you know, I suppose Podrick is going to be very much focused on on the three picks that he has. Obviously, he'd have a fair idea who they're going to be. Um, but, you know, he'd be gathering as much information as he can and, and trying to maximise the strength of his pairings at this stage, won't he? Yeah, I think the most thing he's looking for most in the next four or five weeks in the, in the run-up over in America, where most of the players on both teams will be playing in the run into the FedEx over the next three or four weeks. Um, what he's focusing on most and what he'd be worried about most is, is form. Um, you know, players are like the stock market. We go in and out of form. And what you want as a captain is to have as many players as possible, you know, on form. And pretty fresh going into that Ryder Cup. There's a bit of a break after the FedEx before the Ryder Cup. So freshness and form are the two things he's focusing on at the moment. You're not going to get all 12 players on form, um, but certainly he's looking for his big players. Um, you know, Rory has showed brilliant form in the last two or three weeks. Um, looks like he's got a spring in his step again. And I'm, I'm expecting him to have a very strong FedEx series. You know, the big players in particular, they're the ones that you want to see coming into form and buoyed and excited about the golf as they as they approach the Ryder Cup. So that's what he's looking at. He, he'll be thinking a little bit about uh, 
about pairings and, and working with a statistics team behind the scenes and um, obviously got his eye on the picks as well too um, um, and what players are going to show form and burst away from the pack uh, and make themselves uh, a pick. So a couple of moving uh, things going on at the moment but I'm sure he's on top of everything and uh, we're all looking forward to obviously whistling straights and what just over a month's time. And that's us. That's us for another week, Emma. Something slightly different. Hope all the f- yeah. all the listeners enjoy that. Please let us know what you think. What makes a golf tournament that you have attended? What makes it tick? Why you would go back? Why you wouldn't go back? Um, we've, we've kind of talked through some of the points that we've we thought about. Um, I don't know. Maybe your takeaway and wouldn't spend more than ten pound to go and watch a golf event. <laughs> You'd be looking to win at half time. I know a lot of people do that. We had the halftime of a match and then go in for nothing. Well, why not? Why not? You got you can go more often if you do that. So there's no no badness to be had in that. And we'll be back over the next three weeks again as we wind down to the season. There's lots to come. There's Solheim Cup. There's Ryder Cup. There's Dubai Championships. There's the PGA Playoffs. Still plenty to talk about and still plenty to hear about. So please continue to follow us on the various media channels. Speak to you soon. Cheerio. Bye, Emma. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. All right, don't touch me. Touch me. See you. Shaking that ass.